live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is a show where we talk about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Bomb City, USA. Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host. Greg Rempe, happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in this evening through phone calls and emails, hear how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter coming up in about 13 minutes from now. It's the third Tuesday of the month, and that brings a regular visit from the creator slash author of Barbecue Bible, the host of many different barbecue television shows like Barbecue University and Primal Smoke and... uh. Project Smoke and Project Fire, the list goes on, penned numerous books covering the topic as well. And that, of course, is Barbecue Hall of Famer and Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer Stephen Reichlin. We'll be talking about some seasonal items. We'll also be doing a little bit of a follow-up. You might recall last month, Stephen casually drops that he has gotten into the barbecue mail order business. At that point, he had brisket for sale. He had spare ribs for sale. He had a couple different sizes. I believe there was a grilled cream corn and also some type of smoked barbecue baked beans. So we'll see how that business has evolved over the last four weeks. I'm specifically interested to hear if he has run into issues of pricing with spare ribs because the last number of times that I have priced out spare ribs over the last three weeks, they have been incredibly expensive to the tune of not making sense for me to purchase. For instance, $62 will get you two racks of St. Louis cut spare ribs at BJ's Wholesale Club. I would imagine that at least around this particular region that I'm in, pricing is probably similar no matter what store you're going to. So it's an incredible amount of cost on ribs. So I'll see what he's up to. Maybe he's been able to lock in pricing. Who knows? So we'll talk to Steven about that. We'll talk to him about seasonal items like squash, which seems to be a favorite of Steven. I'm not overly familiar with squash myself, nor am I a huge fan of squash to eat. But we'll talk to him about that. Also, because the bomb that he dropped last month, the casual bomb, as we call it. 
We didn't really get into cooking a perfect steak like I wanted to talk to and also tips on chicken thighs. Many of us might think we're chicken thigh masters, but I'm sure there's some mediocre skill in here and some new skills so we can help you round out that learning curve when it comes to chicken thighs as time allows here this evening. After Steven, we'll move to 35 past. And of course, we know that the American Royal took place this past weekend. And joining me, 35 past, the winner of the invitational side, Bill Hine from Triple H Barbecue. Does anybody know what my lead question for Bill is going to be from Triple H Barbecue? Can anybody put that together, put it in the instant chat, and I will give you a hearty high five virtually. Or if I ever see you in person, I will give you a, you know what, I'm not a big high five guy actually, now that I say it, but I will give you a firm handshake. I have been accused of being that guy that goes for the bone crush. I'm not really. I just happen to have a very aggressive, not trying to crush your hand, but if you're not ready for it, it, I might hurt you. But I'm not that. I am that guy, but I'm not that guy. But I'm that guy. So Bill Hine will be joining me, and we'll get a little bit of backstory about him and how he got into competition barbecue. We'll look back at the weekend, of course, and where this invitational win slots in with some of the other wins that he has currently. And we'll look to see what he's up to for the rest of the calendar year as well. That'll take us to the end of the first hour, where we will move into the second hour and 14 past. Boy, oh boy, do I have one for you. A lot of you ladies and gentlemen fancy yourself a TV star when it comes to live fire. And do I have your ticket at 14 past? Yes, I do. Remember last year about this time, I was having folks like Sylvie Curry from Lady of Q and Rashid Phillips from Phillips Barbecue as they had participated in the inaugural season of American Barbecue Showdown. Well, guess what? A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. If you thought you were better than all those people on American Barbecue Showdown last year and you were only hoping that there would be an additional version for you to flex your culinary muscle, there's going to be a season two. And Stephanie Lewis... From Bright Roads Casting, which is part of All Three Media America, will be joining me and we'll talk all about casting for the second season or whatever they're calling it. It's currently open. We'll talk about how you can apply. We'll talk about what you should put in there. We'll talk about what casting directors are looking for. We'll talk about time commitment that you might have to tell your work that you'll need off when you attempt to make your run at barbecue TV stardom. We'll talk about cash. We'll talk about all that stuff. We'll answer your questions. You can write them in if you want. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Anything that has to do with the next season, casting-wise, of the American Barbecue Showdown, we're going to cover it all in the second hour. 1014, Stephanie Lewis, Bright Roads Casting, part of all three media. So there you have it. Open segment two after Stephanie, depending on how much time we have, so you can... Come in at me if you want at that point. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at Instagram, TwikTok. Hey, I just I just invented a new social media platform, Twik 
TikTok. Anybody want some? Additional IPO at $150 a share. I have $700 million to shares to share or purchase. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at BBQ Central Show. Snapchat, at BBQ Central. I got to fix that. For live video feed of the show, if you're not watching it already, Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. YouTube slash RD Rempy, where there's also a chat that you can interact as well. I see everything on Facebook and YouTube right here in front of me, although I don't always react to it. Also, from a podcast standpoint, if you'd like to get an ad-free podcast feed, you can do it in two different places, patreon.com slash BBQ Central Show, or if you're an Apple Podcast user, you can subscribe to the ad-free right in the app itself. Many of you have been emailing me starting this past Wednesday, so a week ago tomorrow, and through the weekend about KCBS's announcement that they are getting into the steak competition arena and what my take is. Well, glad you've asked because my take is this. At this point, I have no take. I mean, I have an initial gut reaction take to it, but I'm going to give it a little bit more life, a little bit more line, continue to review some of the rules, talk to some more experts in the industry before I lay out my take. I'm not just going to sit here and rush to it to say I'm first. A lot of people did that as KCBS announced that on their Facebook page. And they had to turn off the comments. That's not good. Turning off the comments doesn't necessarily indicate that the conversation is flowing the way you'd hope. But they turned off comments, so draw your own conclusions. So just hang out. And at some point, I will offer up my take on that. Listener feedback, Aaron and Georgia. Greg, listening to the first hour from last Tuesday, and I'm a bit shocked that you gave it to Clint Cantwell the way you did. I personally haven't heard him speak in public. That's no reason for you to take a shot at him when he's doing Meathead the favor and honor of accepting his Hall of Fame award. How about don't be so critical of people's shortcomings? Anyway, love the show. Regards, Aaron. Hey, Aaron, how about you shutting up? You can't tell me in one sentence that I'm giving it to Clint Cantwell for his not-so-great public speaking, and then in the next sentence tell me that you've never heard him speak in public. I don't know if that qualifies you to give me your opinion on how Clint speaks. Just like I can't comment on how the actual speech went. I should have talked to Meathead over the weekend to see how it actually won or if he's got video. We'd love to dissect it next week, of course. So, Aaron, I have... Not only had Clint on the show a number of times, but have heard him speak in and out of public engagements. And I'll stand by my evaluation. Why don't you round up on some of his stuff, and then you can fire back at me next week if you want. Fair enough? Of course. Before we get to Stephen Reichlin, I will talk to you about UConn Glory. The Yukon Glory Grill and Serve set, an absolute revolution when it comes to the landscape of grilling baskets. I've always hated two things about grilling baskets during my cooks. Number one, I have to wear some kind of heat-resistant glove to take the thing off the cooker. Yes. Number two, it gets grease and oil all over my table and counter or wherever I put it. 
When I set it down to serve, being someone who's known as a clean freak, this isn't something I could really get down with. So what's a gal to do? Enter a great product from Yukon Glory called the Grill and Serve. This patented design fixes everything. The set includes three stainless steel grill baskets, which are moved by a clip-on handle that seamlessly grips the interior of the basket for easy lifting and dropping. The set also has a large, custom-fitted stainless steel serving tray to catch any drip and allows for a beautiful table presentation, but perhaps in my case, and more importantly, gives you a clean table when everybody's done eating. Thank you, Yukon Glory. Now, what should you cook in these things? Glad you asked. They're perfect for veggies, seafood, wings, tacos, meats of all types, if you can think it. The grill and serve system can cook it. As far as where to buy, little startup websites called Amazon, Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, Target. I would recommend that you go directly to the manufacturer's website, yukonglory.com. And when you're there, as you check out, you can use promo code 10CENTRAL, 10CENTRAL altogether, and you can get a 10% discount on the entire purchase each and every time. So buy some for yourself first, buy some for your live fire friends and family second, and away you go. That's yukonglory.com. 10CENTRAL is the Yukon, uh, is the coupon code, and it'll save you 10% off your entire order. We're back with Stephen Reichland right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans and accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit bbqguru.com for more information. Call them 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Central Ice, the third Tuesday of the month, and that means it's time to do a segment with the icon of the industry, a host of TV shows, the creator and host of the very popular Project Fire TV show on PBS, author of the most popular barbecue and grilling books in the history of barbecue and grilling cookbooks. And as we found out last month, newly ventured into the barbecue mail business, uh, barbecue mail order business, I should say. And we'll get a follow-up here in just one second. We welcome back Stephen Reichland to the show. Hey, Stephen. Hey, how are you? I am fabulous. Appreciate you making time for the show, as always. So let's start right there. As I had mentioned just a few seconds ago, last month, you, let's say, casually drop a bomb on us that you are (laughs) releasing your mail order barbecue offerings and that was, of course, being done through CrowdCow, who you've partnered with to start off there. Spare ribs, brisket, smoked cream corn, and smoked baked beans, if I'm remembering correctly, was that initial list. And there were plans to roll out other stuff here as time wears on. But now a month away from it and or a month into it, how is the barbecue mail order business treating you? It is doing great. Uh, the, uh, the briskets are flying off the proverbial shelves. Uh, as are the ribs. Um, it's been very interesting uh, for me. You know, I'm 
kind of come at this whole industry through the written word and the spoken word through books and TV, and to actually translate my food into a physical product that people can cut and eat, very gratifying. Pricing-wise, I don't know if I'm just stuck in a region of the country that is really feeling it when it comes to the world of pork spare ribs, but for instance, I go to BJ's Wholesale Club, which is the one nearest to me, but it would be comparable to a Sam's, a Costco, all things like this. And two racks of spare ribs, they come in that a twin pack, vacuum pack, $62 for St. Yeah, Louis the, spare ribs. So I was wondering if you're feeling that same pain. We are definitely feeling it. The uh, meat prices have just, they're off the charts. It's just crazy. And, um, you know, we were lucky to uh, lock in our first run, uh, I guess, about six weeks ago. So, uh, but the prices continue to to spiral. It's, it's uh it's crazy. You know, the dislocations wrought by COVID. Uh, I think most of us were so focused on getting through it, um, you know, staying healthy. We never sort of stopped to think about the supply chain issues. But uh, with my barbecue sauces, you know, my um, Project Smoke barbecue sauces, uh, like the lemon brown sugar, uh, we're having trouble getting bottles. You know, there's no bottles to be found for love or money anywhere. So, but at any rate, these are all good problems to have, right? Well, I had, had Tim McKeska on, who's quite a barbecue legend down there in Taylor, Texas, and he's very well steeped into meat buying, and of course, that lends itself to the whole meat processing plant stuff, and he really broke it down quite eloquently for us about how in its most efficient phase or in its most efficient operation, the meat processing plants are meant to have people standing shoulder to shoulder and passing that meat very quickly so you're able to process those carcasses rapidly and with precision. And now that you're spacing out, things just can't run as fast. So that puts production sure. behind and you know, one day rolls into the next day, rolls into the next day. That can be placed across any portion of industry, whether it's meat processing or building trucks or doing whatever. And now we're figuring out what the best way to deal with a, a slow supply chain is. So as you start to look at it, if you're going to be making another run, as you said, you were able to lock that first run in, what are you guys having to take into consideration now as you, uh, as you would look to do a second run of ribs? Well, you know, uh, the size of the briskets, uh, what size comes in, what size ribs we can get, how much sauce we need to add to the package, um, what ribs will be available, you know, uh, all of these items. But, uh, it's a new venture. Um, we're excited. We regard every challenge as, you know, a new opportunity to learn. So um, we're doing okay. Uh, at this point, any plans to add anything to the product line or are we staying put for now? Oh, no, you bet. We've got a lot of products in development. Uh, we have uh, a, um, a smoked trout and an Asian smoked salmon dip uh, in the works. We've got uh, pastrami bacon in the works. We've got burnt ends. We've got pulled pork. Uh, we've got some very interesting smoked and grilled desserts in the works. So, uh, you know, when we have this conversation a year from now, I, I hope we, uh, we, we can cover you from soup to nuts. Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show, barbecuebible.com. His website is plantedbarbecue.com, now uh, fully redirecting to where people would want to yeah. go to buy the food. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. All right, plantedbarbecue.com, so go ahead and check that out as well while we're chatting it up. We're 
We know at this point, Stephen, you've been on the show long enough that you're a huge seasonal guy. Whatever's in season, you like to figure out a way to add it to the grill or add it to the barbecue. This time of the year, I see squash fairly prevalently, at least where I'm living, and I've seen it prevalently in some of your blog posts. I think I saw something about acorn squash. Now, look, I know it's not going to come as any surprise to you as I have produced my culinary failings or lack of breath when it comes to certain items. I'm not a huge squash uh, consumer. I don't know if I'm just not necessarily aware of it or if I once had a childhood bad experience with squash and I just never really tried to get into it again. But uh, if we could learn a little bit about squash, different types, and uh, we can then talk about best ways to cook and how to serve and all that good stuff. Well, it's interesting. And here in Martha's Vineyard, it's almost as though someone switched a light switch and it went from zucchini and yellow squash, which were coming out our ears, to all of a sudden the farm stands now have acorn squash, they have butternut squash, Hubbard squash, you know, all those wonderful fall squashes. And I really love them. I love the uh, concentrated flavor that you get when you smoke roast a squash. I like to do them on a salt slab, you know, heat the salt slab, the squash gets cut in half, cut side down uh, to start on the salt slab. So you get this inner flow, interchange of salt, the salt slab diffuses the heat. And when the squash is very tender, I like to turn it over and fill it with a Parmesan custard. It's simply eggs, uh, eggs, heavy cream, and freshly grated Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese, maybe a whisper of nutmeg. That goes in the mixture. The squash get roasted with that just till it sets. And it's a really spectacular, it's a spectacular side dish if you want a meatless main course. Not that any of your listeners would want meatless main courses, but if you did, uh, it's fantastic. You know, the other thing with squash, of course, when you're smoke roasting a squash, um, give it the bacon treatment, you know, uh, give it the maple syrup and brown sugar treatment. Uh, you can fill it with wild rice and uh, and and cranberries. It's so incredibly versatile. Are you doing any hollowing out of squash? Is it dependent on whatever species or or make of squash that you're preparing that you would either not or would hollow out to some degree? No, tip, no. Typically, with most winter squashes, I cut them in half, either lengthwise or widthwise. Scrape out the seeds. Uh, if I am incredibly patient or I have little fingers to help me, I s- separate the seeds from the goo and toss the seeds with olive oil, salt, and pepper and roast them, and that becomes a delicacy uh, in its own right. Uh, but otherwise, you do want to scrape the pulp out. Um, uh, and... Um, you know, there's just tremendous variety. I guess what, you, you know, around about August when we're looking at our umpteenth bushel of zucchini, you think, you know, maybe this seasonal food thing isn't that so great. But <laughs> as you move into the the winter, the, the fall and winter uh, vegetables, really is nice to keep in tune with the seasons. So for those, is oh, I shudder to ask this question. Uh, zucchini is a squash? Zucchini is a squash. Okay. It's a summer squash. So I do yeah. eat one squash quite a bit. I love zucchini in, in many mm. different ways, all the way from inside to did outside. You, did you see, by the way, in my in the uh, new book in um, How to Grow Vegetables, the um, it's a, I call them zucchini burnt ends, and you slice the zucchini paper thin, and then you weave it onto a uh, 
weave it onto a skewer and you uh, grill it over a screaming hot fire, brush with butter, seasoned with a little barbecue rub. And so what happens is those ends get kind of burnt and crusty because the problem with zucchini, of course, is it's so high in water content. But that's a way to make zucchini crisp without frying it. When you have... Just saying. Of course. Um, when you have yeah. something like a zucchini... Uh, even tomatoes, uh, they all seem to come in at the same time, which always seems to be the gardener's issue. You wait, you wait, and all of a sudden, boom, you have yeah. way too much. So do you and uh, the rest of the Reichlands big into canning, or will you like vacuum saver food stuff to, to put in the freezer to bring out at a later time or out of season? How do you deal with the yield? Well, for tomatoes, yeah, absolutely. And what we like to do is uh, either slow roast tomatoes, uh, with olive oil and basil, and uh, you can turn them kind of into uh, almost like candied. Uh, and those get uh, sealed in plastic bags, and they'll keep forever in olive oil, or we freeze them. Um, I love to smoke tomatoes, too, and we take the smoked tomato and make smoked tomato sauce, which we then freeze for later use in the winter. Now, I'm kind of lucky because I spend half the year in Florida, and our tomato season is the winter in Florida. So we get tomatoes pretty often. Um, zucchini, I'm, I'm sort of zucchinied out, so I, I, I'm not going to put aside zucchini uh, for the winter. So that's some great squash talk. If you're interested in more squash info or some recipes, barbecuebible.com, the place to go. Let's transition out of squash and into something that I know everybody can get down with, which of course is steak. So I meant to get this covered last month, but we got into talking about the mail order barbecue biz. So let's talk about how to grill a perfect steak as it relates to your expertise and what you've accumulated over the decades of really going across the world to see how it's done. What are the first well, things that you should consider when, even before cooking or anything, when you're going to go buy a steak? Uh, what are your What are your things? Absolutely, to the first first thing is uh, is which steak you buy because you know there's not one perfect steak. There are probably ten perfect steaks or twenty perfect steaks. Uh, I love a porterhouse. I love a T-bone. I love a New York strip. Uh, those are the so-called noble tender cuts. And uh, depending on the thickness, it's either a direct grill, uh, you know, three to five minutes per side for about an inch, inch and a quarter. If you get a really thick steak, if you're up to your two inches, three inches, you know, monster steaks, uh, there it's a reverse sear where you're uh, indirect grilling. Uh, you know, to obtain an internal temperature of maybe 110 and then a quick sear on the end. And while you're doing that indirect grilling, hey, why not throw some wood chunks on the fire and smoke the steak as well as uh, grill it? Uh, if you're talking about a belly steak, that's a much quicker, uh, quicker direct grill uh, all the way through, you know, sort of three minutes per side. And the key there is how you slice the steak. Um, that it has to be sliced thinly across the grain. Can't overcook it too much or it will turn into uh, shoe leather. Um, one trick that really just totally changed my life with steak grilling uh, is this. After you've grilled your steak, uh, instead of transferring it to a platter, put it on a sheet pan with a wire rack over the sheet pan so that the bottom doesn't get soggy. Uh, that, that's a really great trick. Of course, another important technique never serve a steak hot off the grill always let it rest for a couple of minutes the meat will relax it will be juicier and this is very easy to uh, test but you know since we're talking about steak and i know our time is uh, short 
I want to tell you about something else. It's our blog today on barbecuebible.com. It's right. really, really cool. So, uh, you know that in order to, let's see, on a company, you want to do a whole packer brisket and you want it to be magnificent for dinner. Typically means getting up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, our fire wrangler, our very own fire wrangler, Steve Nestor, you've seen him on my Project Fire TV shows, has devised a method. He calls it the two-day brisket, where he does the first cook uh, one day up to about 165 degree internal temperature, lets it cool, refrigerates it, and does the second cook the next day. So the beauty of that, you're getting a brisket that is freshly cooked, but you divide and conquer. So, you know, if you're having people over at 7 o'clock, you can get started noon, 1 o'clock. You don't have to wait, set your alarm clock so early. So check that out, barbecuebible.com. And Steve, if you're listening to this, thank you. And even if you're not listening to it, you know, Steve's the guy that gets all the grills ready on Project Fire, also uh, down at Barbecue University. So we really love Steve. Thank you, Steve. So let me get this right. You put the brisket on, you cook it to 165, which typically is also that temperature indicator for folks that would want to wrap, whether it's in foil or through the butcher paper, which has become very popular here over the last couple of years. You know, that's typically the the target temperature where you're going to start doing that. So you're taking it out, you're cooling it uh, into the refrigerator. Correct. You're going, you're, you're, you're taking it through the stall basically. And then, uh, and then you're wrapping it. Absolutely. But instead of continuing to cook it with the wrap, you let it cool to room temperature and then refrigerate it overnight. And then the next day you bring it to finishing up to room temp. You bring it up to room temp, and then you take it from 165 to 203 or 205. And then you're also... Is that saving um, you time? Also, I mean, it's cold. Well, you let it warm to room, t- to room temperature, and it's not saving you overall time, but it's saving you what time you have to wake up. You don't have to wake <laughs> up at 5 in the morning, right? So you can serve it at 7 at night and do one continuous cook. That's the genius of the method. Have you had it? I have, and it's fantastic. Really? Yeah. Wow. My no, mind, hey, my mind continue- wants to fight it for for some reason. But, I don't know why, but well, it, it seems so it. so uh, you know, iconoclastic that I can't believe. It. Well, uh, we, we love iconoclasm. Uh, l- listen, I mean, what we have not tried is side by side that brisket over two days next to a brisket that somebody woke up at five thirty in the morning to do. Mm. That's not an issue for me because I'm a super early riser. But you know, a lot of people five thirty. It's nice to stay in a warm bed. Anyhow, try it. All right, we'll try it. Uh, you would never uh, take the first part out by, let's say, uh, sous viding or anything like this, right? It would always have to be live fire for you. You know, I'm not a sous vide guy. I know uh, I've, people have done it. I've tasted some very good food sous vide, but it just runs counter to my feeling about live fire. Let's roll back to steak here just for a second. I wanted to ask you a few things. Uh, like on trimming, are you a big trimmer of steaks? Is that something that should be done well at purchase by the butcher? And then second to that, what are your feelings on seasoning? Uh, not necessarily type, but in advance, how far? Right. So uh, I'm not a big trimmer of steak. I mean, certainly if there's fat on the steak, I leave it on the fa- steak because let's all face it, you know, grilled steak fat is the best part of the steak. Um if there's silver skin on a, you know, a belly steak, like a skirt steak or a flank steak, I might trim some of that off. In terms of seasoning in general, you know, 
just uh, coarse sea salt, freshly ground or cracked black peppercorns. Um, but I do have in my line something called Malabar steak rub, Malabar pepper steak rub, which is a peppercorn and dried Worcestershire based steak rub. So we use that quite a bit uh, for seasoning as well. After it's done, whatever your desired internal temperature is, as long as it's medium rare or under, <laughs> will you, after while it's resting, I know, I mean, we've talked about board sauce here yeah. and there from time to yeah, time. Yeah, I like that. Are I you like also that. like a re-seasoner at the end, or will, will you hit it with that, uh, what's the name of it? It's real fancy Malibar. English salt, like Mal, Maldon. Oh, Mal- uh, Malden salt. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you that guy? Yeah, so, yeah, sometimes. I like my food pretty heavily seasoned. Um, now, you know, I said that they're probably a thousand great steaks. So when I cook filet mignon, which is an intrinsically bland, you know, mild tasting to put a charably totally. or quite bland. So what I'll do in that is I'll do a dry brine where I'll actually season it uh, three or four hours ahead. The salt will pull some of the juices out. Uh, that will form a brine and then that gets sucked back into the brine. And I find that that process will make it taste more, you know, more flavorful. I don't do that with a New York strip or a porterhouse or um, a, a T-bone. Steve. By the way, in the new season of uh, Project Fire, which we're getting ready to tape uh, pretty soon, uh, we're going to devote a whole show to Wagyu, and we're going to uh, uh, explain what it is, dispel some of the myths about Wagyu. Uh, we'll be doing uh, some American Wagyu. We'll be, uh, God willing, uh, able to get an A5 Japanese Wagyu. So, uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Steak Talk is now covered. We also got the update on the mail-order barbecue, so if you're interested in that, planetbarbecue.com. In the meantime, barbecuebible.com for everything else that Stephen Reichlin is up to, plus the second Tuesday of every month. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. You do a great job. It's my pleasure. Take care. All right, there he is, Stephen Reichlin, right there. Barbecuebible.com, as we mentioned. Yeah, boy, it's interesting with... The food costs these days. Wow, we. I'm glad I'm not the only one that's getting the shaft on spare ribs. I think I saw Dan or was it uh, Joe saying that he was a hundred or a dollar eighty-eight a pound or something like that. I got to move to wherever you're at. Whoever that was, I'm moving where you're at. At least until ribs come back in line here in Cleveland. I'm coming back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city. All right, we got Bill Hine sitting in the green room. We'll get to him here in just one second. I'll talk to you quickly about Yoder Smokers. Designing and building all of their pits right here in the USA. Building pride through craftsmanship, world-class customer service. That's the backbone of how they've built the company. This approach translates into what can be a truly bespoke-style product that elevates gatherings with friends and family. And they're honored to have the trusted place in the backyards of America. From pellet grills to wood-fired offset pits or charcoal grills, consistent blue ribbon flavor has become synonymous with the Yoder Smoker's name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smoker's flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit. And their team has developed their cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that's rooted in the handmade products and defines the integrity of the core values. American-made quality, endless flavor, the benchmarks of Yoder Smokers. You can find them at yodersmokers.com. That's yodersmokers.com. 
the king of the invitational await. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit Amazon.com to purchase as well. But I would say go to CookinPellets.com. First, to see everything that they have over there aside from the pellets. You might find something very unique you weren't even looking for. As we all know from last week's hype of the event on this show, the American Royal took place this past weekend. And joining me to recap his experience, talk about his new title as American Royal Invitational Champ, is the pitmaster of Triple H Barbecue. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline. And welcome in first-timer to the show, Bill Hyde. Hey, Bill. Hey, Greg. How are we doing tonight? We are absolutely fabulous, and I appreciate you joining me. Well, I have two completely off-the-wall questions to start with. I don't know if you caught Stephen Reichland's uh, brisket education that he just gave us on this new method that one of his fire wranglers came up, which was a two-day brisket, I think he was calling it. So full packer on, take it to 165, take it off the cooker, Put it in the refrigerator, uh, fully cooked or fully rested overnight, and then bring it back out. Let it get the room temperature, and then cook it from there on to two hundred four. Any thought about trying that? Not necessarily competition, but just any thought in general. Um, I missed that. I was actually having computer problems. I pulled you up, and I could see Steve. I couldn't hear him. So, um, the. My initial thought of that is not something I would do because if I'm going to cook a brisket, I'm practicing for competition. So, but, uh, but I'm not afraid to try anything, I suppose. Bill, am I to surmise that you are a really big fan of WWE, particularly that of the game himself, Hunter Hearst Hemley? Thus, that's where the name of the team is born. Uh, no, not at all. Oh, I didn't know he, that existed. You, really? You didn't know Triple H? <laughs> no, I really didn't. Um, so that came from like, the first three members of our team. Um, and we, uh, when I was looking for uh, like logos and stuff on, on LinkedIn, Triple H, just looking for something, and that's what came up and not what I expected. So just not a wrestling fan. Uh, well, I guess I would like to somehow secretly work back that whole idea that I had and make myself not a wrestling fan. But, th- I mean, there were a good solid <laughs> five or six years right as I was getting ready to graduate from college and then three or four years after that where we had WCW and WWF and then WWF, WCW merge and all these great talents are around and somehow I got lost in the vortex. I was a huge WWF fan you know, back in the days of the Iron Sheik and Jimmy Superfly Snooka, and then I got away from it, and then somehow in college I got reinvested in it, but I've worked back out of it again. Anyway, long way to go to get us nowhere. So before we get into the weekend, let's get a little background on you, where you live and what you do for a living. 
Um, I live in Gillespie, Illinois, which is about halfway between Springfield, Illinois, and St. Louis, Missouri. So we're about 50 miles from either one. Um, and I'm a farmer by trade is what, uh, what I do for a living. So um, we raise corn, soybeans, a little bit of wheat now and then. So, How's it being a farmer? Um, it's up and down, just like barbecue. Is that like are you a <laughs> uh, you are you a third or fourth generation type farmer? Is that something that's been in the family and you're just taking it over, or did you get into? I, farming? I would I would be like a second generation. Um, now my grandfather was an implement dealer, and that's kind of where my dad got started farming. So, um, in other words, he sold farm equipment, and uh, so then I've kind of taken over for dad, and and uh, he's still still here, but uh, in his words, semi-retired. So yeah, Doctor Barbecue semi-retired as well, from what I hear. How many acres <laughs> you farming? Uh, about twenty-five hundred. Wow, we twenty-five hundred—that's a lot. Um, how do you get it introduced to competition barbecue? Um, I was just playing around with a smoker at home and had a friend of mine that, uh, put on a barbecue event, just a small rib cook. And he asked me to come do it after trying some of my stuff. And, and, uh, I was just cooking at home for the family and whatever, but decided to throw my hat in the ring and, and it doesn't take but one time to get hooked, you know, and, and, uh, do it a couple more and get some calls and all of a sudden you're you're all in so. are you a guy that has been a pretty self-made guy as far as the learning curve or have you taken advantage of some of those competition cooking classes that have been around over the last handful of years yeah i, I wouldn't say i'm self-made i mean i've taken several classes um you know we, we started i think the first class i took was travis clark's and we've had heavy smokes and and uh, um several others along the way brad and tim's class and and um so i try to take at least one class per year some years we get two in and um and we've taken what we do today is not any one of those guys we're kind of a combination of uh, some of their stuff here and there and some of our own that we've come up with um you know my wife is one of my is our team my teammate and she's a big big part of it so um you know i get to do all this kind of stuff but she's as important as i am for sure how many competitions are you working in a year and i guess uh, before I ask that uh, again, uh, when did you get into it? How long you been doing it? Um, actually, well, about seven years uh, doing just regular, starting out doing little rib cooks and stuff um, about seven years ago. And then our very first KCBS was five years to the day to the uh, the Invitational this past weekend. Really? So... It just happened to pop up on my Facebook memories. I thought it was kind of neat. So, Quite an anniversary present, uh, to say the least. So, yeah, uh, isn't that right? No so, doubt. Uh, how, so, how many are you looking to fit in during the course of the year? So far, I think we've done twenty-eight this year. Um, we'll probably end up doing between thirty and thirty-two, uh, depending on how things go with the farming season. Um, we're kind of busy right now in harvest and not able to. Not able to go like we'd like to, so I'll be sitting at home working the next couple weekends and not out competing like I'd like to be. Typically, when you're running that many competitions, there's also a thought of grappling with team of the year. Are you out to do that, or do you just like it that much where you'll do it 30, 40 times a year if you can? Oh, no, we're definitely chasing team of the year. Um, we started out with the goal. Uh, we left the awards banquet last year. We, we went just to support. Our day for heavy smoke, 
uh, and some of the awards he was getting and, you know, just check that kind of stuff out. And, um, we left the banquet. I told my wife, my goal for the year is to win one of those awards, <laughs> you know, one of the top 15s it didn't have to be overall in a category, whatever. That was the goal for the year. And, um, uh, we started out pretty hot and doing pretty well and, you know, kind of watching ourselves be in the top 10 and then the goal gets a little, you know, the, the goalpost kept moving and, uh, kept wanting to go do better and better. And, and, uh, you know, I think we're sitting 15th right now in, in the overall and, and top 25 in, in every category. Um, so I don't know what the next few weeks will bring. It's going to kill me to sit at home and watch other people competing and passing us, you know, and we can't defend ourselves at all. But that's just part of it. So, Bill Hine joining us here on the show from Triple H Barbecue 2021 American Royal Invitational Grand Champ. So let's go ahead and roll back to this past weekend, Bill. Uh, first, have you been to this event in previous years and if so how have you fared uh we were there in 19 uh, the last american royal was our first year there and uh, we did get a call in the open i believe it was a 15th place pork um i can't remember if it was 14th or 15th and um you know the rest of the categories we were pretty low low end but we were pretty new still we'd only had one grand um in our career at that point and uh so it was a big big thing and we we were enjoying the atmosphere and, and in awe of all of it and you know just the the whole thing uh, the event so didn't cook quite as good as we probably wanted to or were even capable of at that time so uh, when do you get on site uh this coming or this past week and and how do you set up what kind of cookie you're running all that stuff uh, we pulled in on Thursday afternoon, had to get kids to school Thursday morning, then rolled out and um, got our, got to our spot, started setting things up. We cooked on uh, four gateway drums, and uh, our trailer actually has a porch that comes off the sides, so we get the get the porch down, get the drums out, get the back set up, you know, as a kitchen, and uh, and then we're pretty well ready to go. You know, it doesn't take us very long. When you do this many a year, you get pretty efficient at uh, setting up and tearing down so are you guys partiers or are you you there to to have business no it's i'm all business i mean we did go out or you know thursday evening we went around to the different uh things going on i think snaker that was the hot dog social for snake river and and um blues hog had a thing and we, we went to those and i had a few drinks and you know that kind of thing we had a good time but um come friday afternoon it, it's all business for me um, just like any other competition i'm not there for the party so last year obviously didn't happen because of the pandemic so as you reconvene this year and this is known as being one of the biggest barbecue events in the country every year do you think that given everything that you saw that this was put on the, the safest way possible Oh, I think so. I mean, everybody has their opinions about COVID. I've I've experienced it firsthand, along with the rest of my family. Um, you know, back in January, and and uh, you know, I, I think my personal opinion is a little bit overblown. You know, with the media and that, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, I think it was. I mean, when we were inside, we were, we were wearing masks and doing that kind of stuff, and you know. Um, Obviously, when we won, there wasn't much social distancing with all the hugs and everything. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I think it was held as safe as it can be, you know. But it did feel pretty normal, which I was pretty happy with. So, When you get through turn-ins and everything's run up and 
you're able to collect yourself after getting through those windows. How do you feel about him? You think this is this is grand champion type stuff, American Royal winning type tournaments? No, not really. I mean, I, I knew everything was was good, you know. Um, but you're there with 185 grand champion teams. I mean, it you have to be extremely good um, to win it strictly on your cook. And you know, I, I think we got really lucky and hit some good tables, you know. But that's part of barbecue. You got to do that too. And um, you know, I, I wasn't upset with anything, but I wasn't. Like, oh my gosh, this was the best pork we ever cooked or anything like that. So, um, in fact, I was a little aggravated at, at something with brisket, you know, just wasn't quite what I wanted. Um, and I was not, I wasn't unhappy with my ribs, but I thought I took them a little too far and they were a touch over. And, uh, I jokingly said to my wife, well, I did that on purpose because they got a long walk and they're going to tighten up in the box. We got the 180 calling ribs and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it just, that was the one I did not expect to any chance at a call in, you know, cause they, they weren't perfect and I thought they needed to be. So Bill, as they're getting through the top calls and you're working closer and closer to first place, when you hear your name called as grand champ for this portion of the event, like what are some of those first emotions that are hitting you as you realize that uh, at least for this day, you're top of the heap? Um, <laughs> uh, it, I don't. I can't even remember what all my emotions were. It, it was a, a rush of several different. I mean, you know, after the brisket call, we went back to sit down, and I had a lot of teams around me, and they're telling me, you know, you've got this. You know, you just won this thing, and you know, on and on. And I'm like, no, leave me alone, because we don't know where we were at chicken. You know, we had three calls, three good ones. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything at the American Royal, and uh, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, in a way, I was freaking out because I thought I probably did. You know pull it off but you just don't know and they got down to first and i'm just sitting there rocking a chair trying to trying <laughs> to hold it together i mean my stomach's in knots and and um i just in disbelief more than anything that you know this just happened you know kind of thing so but uh and then when it happened it was just all everybody mauling you and getting hugs and congratulations and it, it pretty awesome moment i've we had several people taking videos from different angles that i i seen afterwards and um, going back and watching them is just pretty exciting because relive that moment, you know. Safe but, to uh, assume that this one is the crown jewel for the moment of wins for Team Triple H. Uh, that that's pretty safe assumption, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, for the folks that don't know, let's go ahead and you know quickly look back uh, totaling uh, for seven hundred and eight point five. So, you know, for those that aren't really into competition barbecue, I'm not a competitor myself, but I've seen the scores. And I know what's a good score and, and what's a decent score. And 708 is a huge score, especially considering the field and some of the other scores that were rolling in. I mean, that's a, that's an absolute huge score. Uh, 82nd in chicken, but as you had mentioned, third in ribs with a perfect 180. You were one of four getting perfect 180s. You had a fifth in the uh, pork category. You and Shake and Bake had the same score, and, and you were 11th in brisket. So uh, almost three top 10 calls or better in this thing. And, you know, that's got to be a, a cook aside from the chicken that you would take every weekend, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and even our chicken, you know, 82nd chicken was uh, almost 172. I think it was 171.9, which, you know, I'll take a 172 anytime, you know, in, in a category, you know? Um, so, 
the thing is with that many top end teams, you know, I think the top 100 was all in the one seventies in every category, if I remember correctly. So, um, a lot of high scores, but that's because you had a lot of good food go in, you know. Bill Hine joining me here on the show. He's the 2021 American Royal Invitational side grand champion. So you turn around the next day and cook the open. You finish 88th, which is a very respectable considering that portion of the event specifically. Nearly 500 teams take part in that. Does your view of the Invitational and the Open remain the same or... Does the view shift a bit once the open is on? In other words, is there more of a crapshoot mentality that you have to bring to the open side that maybe you wouldn't bring to the invitation? Um, I think so. I mean, any time the more team, more of a crapshoot it is, no matter where you are. I mean, the the bigger event, the more you have to get lucky and hit the right tables. And um, so, you know, you get talk 500 teams, man, it's, there's so many tables out there that are good and so many that are bad. And, you know, um, we didn't fare so bad, too bad on our tables, but, you know, we didn't have that high of scores. We hit a couple of bad tables in the second day or, or lower scoring tables. I don't want to say bad tables, but, uh, you know, but I, I went into it thinking if we can just be top 100, that's a pretty good day. You know, that's like being top 10 in a 50 team competition, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, that was kind of our goal going in, just in the top 100 and when we got there. So Nice. Um, who's uh, who's sponsoring you? You got anybody you want to shout out here while you're on tonight? Well, obviously, I'm set up like a NASCAR driver here. I've got, uh, you know, <laughs> we got Heavy Smoke and uh, Smoke and Ghost Barbecue, uh, Bagley Farms Meat Market, and, uh, and we do a lot of work with Cordy um, uh, Meat Processing in Highland. So... Those are our, our main ones that uh, take care of us. You mentioned you're going to be off for a couple weeks. When's the next competition on the agenda? Uh, next one we're going to is the Jack. We were fortunate enough to get a Jack draw, so so that's uh, that's the next one that I know we're going to. We may try to sneak one in between if we happen to get some rain and get rained out of the field, and I can get in. Um, I'm not going to rule that out, but uh, as of right now, the Jack will be the next one. Would you trade away the one that you just won over the weekend and trade that in for a jack win? Huh, I don't think so. Um, it's something that I heard heard Travis Clark say actually that that makes a lot of sense to me. That you know the Invitational at the oil, any team that gets a Grand Champion can be there. So where the Jack, you got to be lucky enough to get a draw. There's a lot of great teams out there that won't because they just didn't get that draw. So I, I personally think the invitational win is is bigger to me than winning the challenge. I'd love one, and I wouldn't have been upset with either one, you know, obviously. But uh, but I think the invitational is bigger, in my opinion, and, and not because we happen to have won it, but, you know, I, I thought that all along, so. With a score of 708.5, and then there's a bunch of zeros and other numbers after that, but let's use 708.5 just for round numbers. You have your winner of the American Royal Invitational, Bill Hine from Triple H Barbecue. Bill, really appreciate the time uh, letting us get to know you a little bit and continued success this year as you roll on. Okay, thank you very much, sir. You got it. There he is, Bill Hine right there. Your 2021 American Royal Invitational 
Champagne. 708. Wow. All right, before we wrap up the first hour, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies. We'll get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. From the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers, Big Papa Smokers has everything you need to become a better outdoor cook. Big Papa's known for the championship rubs and seasonings. Popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, Double Secret Steak Rub, Little Louie's Seasoned Salt. 13 perfectly balanced flavors transforming ordinary meals into extraordinary. They also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everybody, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavor will remind you of why you fell in love with barbecue in the first place. And aside from the rubs and sauces, they're selling cookers, and you know this. Are you looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? All right. Check out that Old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're not sure of what grill you need, you can't go wrong with any of the grills and smokers featured at BigPapaSmokers.com. Call them with questions. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website. BigPapaSmokers.com That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com And we are back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion being brought to you by Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, Fireboard 2 Pro. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. Or connect via Bluetooth if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant. In your home, you're in luck. Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. And we thank Bill Hine for joining us from Triple H Barbecue. The winner of the 2021 American Royal Invitational side of things. Austin Parson weighing in. Greg almost stumped him with that last question. It's the Sophie's choice. It's the worst. It's the best question a host can ask. It's the worst question a guest has to try and answer. Because I think you're set in your mind with, hey, I just won the invitational side. It's the best thing ever. He said it was the best thing ever. And I'm like, hey, if you traded that chip in for a guaranteed win at the Jack, would you do it? I think there are some out there that would do it. I happen to agree with both Travis and Bill's line of thinking. I would, I would like to win the invitation. Everybody's there, or at least everybody has the opportunity to be there. You don't have that draw process, which you may or may not like. That does exclude certain people from showing up. You could have the best year that any competition cook has had, and unless you've won the seven automatic, they get you the automatic, and you don't get drawn, you're out. 
Anyway, we're pointing to the second hour of Fresh Libations, and we'll be back right after this. Stick around.